Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Over this past month, we have been learning together about prayer and, and talking about how you can express your heart to God, that, that he, that's what he wants from you. And then for the last couple of weeks, we've really been focusing in on this whole idea of, of how Jesus taught us to pray. And this one line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how central that is to all of our prayers. That we need to get to that place where we say, okay, God, it's not my kingdom. It's your kingdom. It's not my agenda. Lord, it's your agenda for my life. It's not all of my hopes and dreams. It's, it's your hopes and dreams. It's not my wants and desires and needs. It's, it's what you want for me. And we learn as we do that to pray instead of, Lord, gimme, 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 to begin to pray, Lord, what do you want for my life? How should I respond in this situation? What are your purposes in the middle of this circumstance for me? And then to pray for our friends. We talked about this last week, the idea of intercession, praying for those we love and care about. Lord, what are you doing in their life? How can I be a part of that? And it's really all about bringing our lives in line with what God wants for it. And when we pray, your kingdom come, we are saying, Lord, we're bringing everything about us in line with you. And God's kingdom is a lot bigger than just your life and mine. It starts there. It starts there. But then it's out to our friends, out to our families, out to our acquaintances. And then it's bigger still. Because God's goodness and God's love and God's mercy and his grace is for all people. All people. And the very Jesus that taught us to pray, your kingdom come, then not more than a year or so later, turned around and said, now go. Now go. When you pray, Lord, your kingdom come, we got to be open to hear what God says when he says, now go. And that's what he did. And when you read through the book of Acts, which follows the gospels, that's basically what the book of Acts is all about. How God's people went to bring his kingdom. And it started in Jerusalem. And then kind of in the outline area of Judea. And then further out, just like Jesus said, Samaria. And then he said, to the ends of the world. And all throughout the Gospels, and all throughout the book of Acts, you see how that happens in a guy named Peter and how Peter begins to preach and teach and give this message. And guys like Stephen and Philip. And then it gets out beyond Jerusalem and beyond Judea and beyond Samaria. It gets out into the Gentiles. God's kingdom's coming. And there's a woman named Lydia in Ephesus that starts a house church in her own city. And, and, and Barnabas and Paul, and they go out and they, and they keep preaching this word. And over and over again, and it's a story about God's kingdom coming. And that's what it's all about. The people that learn to pray, your kingdom come, then learn to obey, now go. And they went. And at the end of the book of Acts, Paul, who has been going and teaching and preaching and declaring this message, ends up in jail. In fact, he ends up under house arrest in chains, with no idea what his future is going to be. And while he is in there, he writes letters. Because he can't go anymore. He's kind of confined where he is. But he says, don't stop with the message. And so he writes letters to churches in Corinth and Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae. And the letter we're going to look at this morning, this letter to the church in the city called Colossae, which is modern, in modern-day Turkey, 
He writes this letter and he encourages them and he prays for them. And then he closes the letter with these words. Chapter 4. He says, now devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful and pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul writes to this church in a city hundreds of miles away, and he says, your prayers matter. Your prayers matter. Your prayers make a difference for me right here, right now. And this whole idea of praying, Lord, your kingdom come, is getting our eyes off ourselves and beginning to see this world through God's eyes. And I want to wrap up this series talking about how you pray for God's work around the world. How do you pray for God's work around the world? It's really straightforward. Paul says there's some very, very key things. He says, first of all, pray for new opportunities. Just pray for new opportunities. He says, pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. Now notice, by the way, what he doesn't pray for. He does not pray for safety. He does not pray for comfort. He does not even pray for his survival. And he doesn't even pray that he would be released from these chains. That is not what he prays for. What he prays for is opportunities. See, that was Paul. God's kingdom is so important. I can't stop. If I'm locked up here, if I'm in chains, if I'm under house arrest, then, then where I am right now, Lord, open opportunities. And he asked the church in Colossae, pray. Pray that God would open up the opportunities because that's the way he approached life. Whatever situation, whatever circumstance he was in, the question was, okay, where's the opportunity here? Lord, where's the opportunity? Because he firmly believed that God was in the process of opening doors for him to go through. And you find that throughout his letters. He wrote at one time to the Corinthian church because he was in Ephesus and he was planning a trip to the Corinth. But he wrote to them, he says, I'm going to be staying here in Ephesus until the Feast of Pentecost. In other words, I'm going to stay here a little bit longer because there's a wide open door for a great work here. Although many oppose me. Now notice it wasn't an easy door, but it was a wide open door. And he said, as long as there's a door open, I'm going through it. I'm going through it. Now there's a couple of very important underlying convictions in this. If you're going to pray for open doors, if you're going to pray for opportunities, one of them is the belief that it's God who opens doors. God is the one who opens doors. In fact, Revelation 3, 7 says, when he opens a door, no one can close it. And when he closes it, no one can open. That's an incredibly powerful concept, that God is the door opener. He's the one that opens doors. And closely related to that is, when God opens doors, he does it in response to our prayers. That we're involved in this. We play a part in this. He said, pray that God would open doors because he firmly believed that the prayers of people hundreds of miles away made a difference in the circumstances he was at right then and there. And when we begin to care about what God cares about and we begin to align our hearts with his heart and we begin to pray not for my kingdom but for your kingdom to come, God starts opening doors. He opens doors in your own life he opens doors of opportunities in your friends and your family members. And he opens doors around the world. That God has invited us into active participation of his work in this world. 
And I could go back and I could tell you over the last 18 years the number of times that God has opened doors in the life of this church. And we got tons of them. Many of you have heard many of the stories that we tell often around here. It's part of the, the Northgate lore, how we came up against things that looked impossible and God opened doors. But I could tell you our stories, but since this is talking about around the world, we got some guests with us this morning. And uh, Mark and Nora Reset, who were actually 18 years ago in my living room, part of that... F- 12 group of, pe- group of 12 people talking about the future of a church called Northgate. Um, and about nine, eight, nine years ago, they went out as the first missionaries that we have ever sent out from this church. So Mark's going to come help me share the story a little bit this morning. So give him a warm welcome when he comes, please. I know you can tell a lot of stories, okay? But what I'd like you to do is, first of all, talk about that sense that God was leading you into this and, and the prayers that you prayed and the way that God opened doors for you to just go. And even in the timing of that, because there was a lot of difference between what your timing was and what, what God's timing was. So, sure. Okay. Uh, I, I became a Christian in an all-Filipino church in San Francisco. So right from the start, God was introducing me to the Philippine culture. In, 1990, in 1989, I met my wife, who's Filipino, and um, at, at our church in San Francisco. And I, I always had a heart to go full-time for God in, on the mission field. So it really wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't need to be Einstein to figure out that God <laughs> was leading me to the Philippines uh, because of my, uh, again, my church, uh, my first church, and also uh, being married to a, a Filipino. And also my wife worked with American missionaries in the Philippines. So it, it was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, where I was going to be going. And kind of describe the process because when you first started feeling this, this sense of, of, of calling and the desire to do that, there was, a, there was a lag time in that. How did God open up those doors? Yeah, first I went on a short-term missions trip to England and Belgium because I wanted to see if this was for me. And I was single at the time. And I, I really began getting a heart for uh, different cultures and different people. And... Um, when I was 44 years old, uh, I said to my wife, my wife was uh, 41 at the time, I said, it's now or never. Uh, we better go now because if we don't go now, uh, we're going to get too old and we're not <laughs> going to have the opportunity to go. So we left uh, almost nine years ago now to the Philippines and we've been there ever since. And talk about some of the doors that opened for you to get there and the housing, this, all Yeah, um, our original plan, my wife's family's from a place called Laguna, which is in the southern part uh, from where we're at now. And uh, about four months before we're ready to, to, to leave for the Philippines, we visited a friend in Florida, and she said that she owned a house in a place called Malolo City. Uh, would we like to use it for free? Well, I, I wasn't sure because I had never been to Malolos before, so I went first to kind of check out where it was. And um, it was a four-bedroom, three-bath house, just a huge place. And... Um, we decided to move to Malolo City, even though we had no relatives, we had no friends there, we started from scratch. And looking back, eight years later, it was God directing our paths, because he really wanted us to be there, and, and it was him that opened up the door. And even today, we pay no rent, and uh, what a blessing that is, uh, uh, to have a, a rent-free uh, living accommodations. Yeah, for eight years. For eight years. That's very cool. Um, and as you got there and started into the ministry, um, I know there were areas that you keyed in on, and there were some real opportunities and doors that God opened up for you. Why don't you share a few yeah, of those? Um, 
soon after our arrival in the Philippines, it was very easy for us as a husband and wife in a ministry to know what to do uh, because the, the needs are so apparent right in front of you. Uh, the first thing we started doing was helping the church because the average pastor makes about $150 or less a month. And they use that money to buy food for their family. They don't have a, a lot of extra money to buy books, even to buy good quality Bibles they don't have. So right from the start, we began um, equipping the church, uh, providing materials. Many of our friends from the United States would give us boxes of books, and we would be uh, giving them away, handing them out to different churches, children's materials, youth materials, all different types of materials to help the church. The second area is in, in 2003, we began working with the youth. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty up there in age. And, you know, working with the youth was, you know, like, wow. I mean, and, and they still think I'm like 35 years old. And in, in reality, I'm 52. But um, what happened was, is we started with about 100 kids. And we just had a, a, a crusade in November for 6,000. And so God has really blessed the ministry, and that was a real focus for us because in the church in the Philippines, 60% of the church is 25 years or younger. There's no worship team in the Philippines that has an older person than age 30 on it. They're all young people. So we began focusing on that as the second area, and the third area, of course, is to help the poor because 40% of the people living in the Philippines live below the poverty level. Uh, eight out of every 10 young people do not attend college because of financial reasons. Eight out of ten. So we, we began building houses for a couple... Last year, uh, Ken and, and my home church, Bethel, in San Francisco, built a house for a family. It's just an awesome thing because the house only cost $1,000. <laughs> and we're able to build a brand new house for a family. I mean, and, and so uh, it, those are the three areas, Pastor Ken, equipping the church, seeking those who do not yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ and helping the poor in, in whatever ways we can. And you think house prices around here are falling. <laughs> um, the next thing that Paul talks about, he says, okay, pray for the open doors. But he also, there's another part to this prayer. It's, and it's prayer, pray that I clearly communicate the message. In fact, that's what he writes. He says, pray that God would open the doors and then pray that I would proclaim this message as clearly as I should. That God, we believe, is the one who opens doors. But we have a part to play. We have a part in this. And every situation is different, and it's different from the United States than it is to the Philippines. Um, and it was different even, even in Paul's day. Um, the message that was preached in, in Judea, the message was the same as it was preached in, in Athens, but the style and the content and the, the, the explanation was very, very different. Because in Judea, most of the people there were Jewish backgrounds. They had a common background of a, of a belief in a single God. You get to Athens and you've got, you know, Greek philosophers and a whole pantheon of gods, you know, and it's just like, yeah, sure, we'll add Jesus. Why not? We've got a whole bunch of gods. Put one more in the pile. Why? And what difference? And it, no, no, no. <laughs> he doesn't go alongside the rest of the pile. He is the pile, you know. And, but the way that he gave that message was different in Athens than it was, for instance, in Judea. And it's not that he didn't know what the message was because he was very, very clear about it. In fact, he summarizes it very distinctly in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, this is the message. Christ died for everyone, and he died so that those who live should not live for themselves anymore. When we live for ourselves, even with our best of intentions, living for ourselves always results in sin. And that causes the separation. 
That's where the problem lies. And the sin eventually leads to death. And so he said, Christ who didn't have any sin, but God made him sin for us so that we could be made right with God. That's the message. Up to our own, we're lost. But he came and he paid the price. And then he writes in verse 19 that God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sin against them. That God has now trusted us with that message. Paul knew what the message was. The message never changes. But the methods must. Because different cultures understand things in different ways. Any of you who know Mark and I, you know, on a personal level, know we are very, very different personalities. And we have very, very different styles. Yeah, just a little, just a little. And very, very different styles in preaching. But I'll tell you what, we share the same heart for reaching lost people. And that's the cool thing is, Thousands of miles away that God has used Mark in in an incredible way in that culture. And I'd like you to kind of share just a little bit about how the message is the same, but some of the methods and things that you've had to do that a little bit different than how you would do it maybe in the United States. Uh, You're talking about for the church? Yeah. Well, a little bit about your own adjustments. Uh, Well, you know, the Philippine culture is, is, you know, we'll just say night and day compared to the American culture. First of all, it never gets below 75 degrees. So it's hot and humid mostly, you know, all year round. Um, secondly is our diet is totally, uh, I don't, I haven't eaten a hamburger and uh, I just had lasagna the other, oh, is that good? Man, I'm taking some of that lasagna back with me. Uh, no pizza, you know, it's, it's basically a rice and vegetable diet. And so that's a, some adjustment, but it's more healthier for you. Um, uh, but that was one of the things. The other thing was uh, there's many, you know, uh, mosquitoes, uh, Lizards, snakes, uh, even around where our house is. My wife actually, uh, when we first went back, had an infection for two years on her legs uh, because the water, when it floods, we have to wade through the water. And she got some kind of infection. We couldn't even figure it out. We brought her to Kaiser here. They couldn't figure it out. But finally, it it ended up uh, going away. Um, And and one other thing is there's so much traffic in the Philippines uh, compared to here. Uh, There's no streetlights. So it's kamikaze. <laughs> you know, and I love it. Because <laughs> I got a lot of tickets here and I don't get any there. <laughs> because the cops just go, keep on going, keep on going. No, it's true. It's true. There's not one cop on the freeways in the Philippines. You don't even have to look over your shoulder at the exit anymore. But uh, that was uh, some things to get used to uh, while we were there. Uh, of course, when I started driving, I first, uh, the first four years, I took the Japanese tricycles. And that was an adjustment because... You know, I'm the only um, uh, foreigner in 250,000 people. So when I get onto a jipney, it's like, <laughs> you know, like Canada, Australia, U.S., Germany. You know, they try to figure out where I'm from. But it, that, was a, that was an experience for me because it's kind of, you know, makes you self-conscious. I mean, everybody's staring at you. And so that was another adjustment. But a, a, actual for the message, uh, Pastor Ken... Um, th- there's no difference. Yeah. There really isn't. Uh, I-, I preach the same way here as I do uh, in the Philippines. Uh, of course, different age audiences is a different message, uh, of course, all the time. I- I've been in the-, the-, the Court of Appeals. I've been in the Supreme Court in the Philippines, speaking to judges, speaking to workers there. I've been in schools with 600 students. I've been in local jails with the police officers. And I told them, I remember told them, you are the guys who crucified Jesus. 
in the Bible because it was really the officers there. And they went, whoa, man. You know, but it's the same message, I think. It's just you adapt it to the different audiences that you're going to be speaking to. And as, as the ministry has grown, particularly, I know one of the areas um, you shared a little bit already about um, in, in the ministry to, to youth, um, particularly, you've, you've, you've really developed a whole team. And kind of talk a little bit about that, how you, how you were able to relate the message through the ministry teams that you have. Tell a little bit about that. Oh, you know, it was God, Ken. You know, I can't take any credit, but we're just very creative. <clears throat> We started reaching them through movies. We started reaching them through DVDs. Anything that we can get our hands on to reach these kids, we would do. And it worked. It just it seemed like we were connecting. We've averaged, uh, we've had 25 crusades in the last five years from 1,000 to 1,500. sold out every time. We just had 6,000 in November. I mean, God is just blessing, and we're just kind of meeting them where they're at, mm-hmm. if I could say that. You know, wherever the kids, uh, we, just, we just had a, a whole series on the Da Vinci Code because that was a big movie in the Philippines. Well, we dissected it. We took it apart. We edited it, and we made it into a 10-minute DVD <laughs> on how the devil's working through the Da Vinci Code. And they loved it. They, they never saw it watching the entire movie. Uh, we've used Harry Potter. Uh, you know, we're just trying to be as creative as possible. We've developed teams. Uh, we have a theater arts team, a, a dance team. Uh, our worship team has 25 all at once up on the stage. So we're trying to use the gifts that God gives us. Um, and, and the young people are very creative. Uh, we have uh, uh, newsletter teams. We have uh, camera crews. All teams. And people just love to be involved in the ministry. So it's been a blessing. And why don't you introduce, because you got yeah, some people um, from some of your teams. I, I, we brought with us uh, this year um, two of our board members of White Harvest Ministries. Arnell and Arlene, would you stand up? And, and Jovelle? And my, and my wife. My wife stand up too. But um, they, they have been with us. They have been with us pretty much from the start. And the, our board members in the Philippines, our oldest is 34 and the youngest is 19. Because I'm training the future generation when I'm not going to be there to take over the ministry. So it's been a blessing. Actually, our youngest board member, I I just chose her, is 15. And she's 35, going on 35. (laughs) But maturity level, it's just amazing. And so we're training leaders for the future. And they're going to take over White Harvest Ministries in the Philippines when I'm gone. And that's, that's, that's our goal. And that really actually leads into the third aspect of prayer. And it's not really a part of the prayer that Paul asked them to pray for, but, but it really flows out of it because Paul says, now you're partners with us in this, okay? We're here, but you're a partner with us back in Colossae. And, and one of the things that we need and one of the things that you need because we're both got to be on the same page is wisdom and integrity and authenticity that we pray for that. Um, he, he writes to them, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. In other words, God opens the doors and he makes these opportunities available, but walk through them wisely because God can open a door and if you're not paying attention, if you're not using wisdom, you know, you may miss the opportunity. You may, you may uh, not make full uh, advantage of it. And so you need wisdom to recognize those opportunities and then absolute integrity and authenticity. Because we could be clear in our message, and God can open doors. But if our lives do not match up with the message, it unravels everything else. And so wisdom and integrity are a very, very important part. And I think it's part of what we ought to be praying to. And um, one of the things that's really, really exciting, and what I want to give the most time to, is um, God has opened up some real new opportunities. And, and a vision that you've had 
for a long time um, and been working on for a couple of years. So share a little bit about the most recent door that God's been opening for you and kind of what you're facing and how we can pray for you for wisdom. We're going to be showing a DVD in a moment. It's only three minutes, but you're going to see some real needs in the Philippines. And God, over the last five years, has given us three successive visions The first one was to build a library equipping center. We have 75,000 students in our city in high school and college alone. And um, the the average student in high school has 10 subjects, and they only have three textbooks. And so the first vision that the Lord gave us was for the library to, to, to help these kids get a better education. The second vision we received from the Lord was for an orphanage because in the Philippines, uh, Many children are abandoned. There's 1.5 million street children just roaming the streets and sleeping on the streets uh, of the Philippines. And um, uh, many of these kids uh, are are abused. Uh, One out of every three young ladies in the Philippines has been sexually abused. One out of three. And it's probably higher than that. Um, So we we received a vision from the Lord to build an orphanage and to take these kids out of their environment and raise them up in the fear in the fear of the Lord, and when they get old, they won't depart. So my wife has worked extensively with children even before she met me in the Philippines. The third um, uh, vision we received is for a youth center. I shared with you that eight out of every ten young people do not attend college. In the Philippines, if you don't have a college education, you can't work at McDonald's. So it gives you a picture. If you don't attend college, you have no hope of securing a job. So we want to have a a, a youth center where we're going to be training young people in skilled working areas so that when they go and get a job, they have some kind of training, even though they might have not went to college. But they'll have some kind of training to secure a viable uh, uh, vocation and a viable job. So those are the three visions, and we're going to show you. We're going to do that now? Sure. Um, Tell a little bit. Yeah, let's show the video. No, go ahead. And we'll come back. No, we'll show we're going to, Go show, to video. We're going to show you a, a, a short DVD. It was originally 15 minutes, but Kenneth's, they got experts back there that can get it down to three minutes. And so we're going to see some of the needs in the Philippines, and at the end, you're going to see our vision of building a mission center in our city of Malolos, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it afterwards. Talk a little bit about this resource center, this mission center, and, and what's been happening on that. And uh, Two years ago, uh, we gave a letter to the mayor of our city and the governor asking for a donation of land for the mission center. The next day, that the mayor, after the mayor received the letter, he called our office, and we took about six or seven pastors with us, and he said that he was going to donate one hectare of land, which is two, two and a half acres. And so for the last two years, we've been in the process looking at different pieces of land. And finally, about three months ago, we came to the conclusion that this is the spot. And uh, the, the, the mayor promised that he would give us the paperwork before we came to the United States because we're here for six months for this purpose only, to share the vision about the, the mission center in many churches in many different states we're going to be going to. Five days before we're ready to come to the United States, I've already paid for their tickets. 
we found out there was a, uh, there was a legal problem with the land that the, the farmers were suing the landowner to get the land back. And so my lawyer uh, suggested uh, for us not to sign the deed of donation because later on it could come back to hurt you. And this happened five days, just like two weeks ago, before we came here. And I was devastated because I, I had devoted two years of my life in meetings, in, in looking at different parcels of land, and finally we agreed upon one. We had shared it with everybody. We shared it with our partners in the United States. And so we were coming here with a piece of paper saying we have the land, and now we're going to raise the money. Well, we don't have the land. And so what we did was when we first arrived, I called Pastor Ken and also our, our uh, advisors at our, at our home church in San Francisco, and I asked for his advice. I said, we're here to raise money because the center, eight buildings, is going to cost between 2 and $3 million, uh, the whole center uh, being built. And I said, Pastor Ken, you know, I don't want to, I can't deceive. I have to tell the truth, but should we continue raising the money? Because we don't have the land right now. And, and Pastor Ken... Uh, this last week started crying uh, across the table for, from us. And I, I, you know, I didn't know why he was crying. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I was going to, you know, was, you know, pat him on the back or something. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. But he says, he, yeah, he yeah. does that all the time. Yeah, well, amen. <laughs> it's good to have a pastor that cries all the time. <laughs> but here's was his first response. It's the same thing that happened to us. Here. And man, that was an encouragement bolt to my heart because I was discouraged. And he says, the vision doesn't die. God will provide the land. You keep on going with the vision. And that was just such an encouragement to us and our team. And we started Friday night with our first vision chair, and it went wonderful. People were so responsive. And before we left, we had a meeting with the pastors of our... I'm the vice president of the pastoral association in our city. And we had a meeting and told exactly what we're telling you today to the pastors. And one of the senior pastors stood up. He says, Mark, that land wasn't for you. We as a church, let's work together and get another piece. And let the church take responsibility now instead of the local government on securing something for God. And it was the most wonderful meeting. I mean, the, 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 the church was rallying around us. So, again, we're here to share what happened in the last two weeks in our lives. And, and Pastor Ken, I, I believe, gave us God's wisdom. Keep on going. I'm not through yet. I have something better for you. So, yeah. We, uh, we are well acquainted with government bureaucracy when it comes to building projects. So, um, but God is bigger. God is bigger than any government agency. And um, the vision is God's vision. God will provide. And we want to be a part of that. Um, and so what we decided to do is the leadership of the church, our, our staff and our board talked about this. Um, and what we are going to do, we have been a supporting uh, church for White Harvest Ministries since they first went out. But for this special project, um, we have decided, because we've done things like this uh, with the Ugandan village before, um, what we decided is we're going to ask you to pray. To pray for wisdom, for guidance, and, and, and above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings, and above and beyond your regular giving to the work of the ministry here. 
if God could lay it on your heart, if you would be open and pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done. And, and whatever God moves on your heart to be able to, to give to this project, uh, to be able to help them get started in this, um, just trusting that God's going to work out all of the details, because that's how we did it around here. Um, that actually, they go back at the beginning of December. They're here for five more months, a little over five more months. And so we're going to make that available. We're establishing that opportunity for you um, and, and ask you to pray. Pray for wisdom. Pray for open doors. Pray for that message that it be clearly communicated. And pray for your part in that. And um, we're establishing that. You can, if you want to give a little at a time up until Thanksgiving, but we're going to do a special Thanksgiving offering and uh, that will be to be able to support the work of this um, project particularly. So um, that's what we've decided to do. That's what we are praying that you will take on your heart and pray about as well. And um, we're partners in this. If I can just say one yeah. more thing. Um, uh, ways that you can help us is, uh, and we've told our partners this over the last four or five months in our newsletters, is if you know other churches, other people that might be interested, it's actually a, a, a longer presentation than what we shared this morning, but I think it would really minister to many people. And if you know people that might be interested, we'll have a table in the back today. You can talk to some of our leaders, and, and you can get our card. You can give us a call. Uh, and, and we're looking for people to help us connect with other people. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Mark. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.